as we talk about suffering and the suffering Messiah today, uh, there's, a, there's a story, it's a pretty old story now, about uh, poor Jack. Poor Jack who was out jogging and he was passing by a cliff and he got a little close to the edge and suddenly found himself falling. On the way down, he managed to grab a branch, nearly yanking it out of the cliff. And when he caught his breath, he realized what a terrible jam he was in. He couldn't get up. And letting go seemed like a very poor option. And so he began to scream. Hello up there. Can anyone hear me? In a moment, a voice returned. Jack, can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you. I'm down here. I can see you, Jack. Are you all right? Yes, but who are you and where are you? I am the Lord, Jack. I'm everywhere. The Lord, you mean like God? That's me. God help me. I promise that if you get me down from here, I'll stop sinning. I'll be a really good person and serve you for the rest of my life. Easy on the promises, Jack. First, let's get you down. Then we can discuss those. I'll do anything, Lord. Just tell me what to do, okay? Okay. Let go of the branch. What? I said let go of the branch. Just trust me. Let go. There was a long pause as Jack thought of the offer. A moment later, however, Jack let out a yelled out, Hello, hello, is there anyone else up there? <laughs> you know, the truth is, when we, when we talk about uh, following a suffering Messiah, that is, being disciples of Jesus, who was indeed a suffering Messiah. We're not talking about suffering like when you uh, catch your finger in a door or stub your toe. And we're not even talking about falling off a cliff. What we're talking about is a willingness to put God first, even over our own safety, our own comfort, our own desires. This verse that includes the, this calling to take up your cross and follow me actually follows uh, a section in that same verse where Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter comes up with this great confession, you are the Christ. In other uh, books, uh, other gospels, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's this great confession but almost always when, when it's uh, professed that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus feels the need to define the terms. Jesus knows full well that the people of Israel, Israel have been waiting for the Messiah to come for decades. They had all these expectations of what the Messiah would be, and most of those had to do with a military leader who would raise up the people of Israel and throw off Roman oppression. And so here, as in many of those other places, Jesus reminds them what the Messiah is really all about. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected 
by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and be killed, and on the third day to rise again. This is not what they were expecting. Peter was going like, no, 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 no. See, Jesus is a good follower of Jesus. He's a good disciple. And so when he starts to hear Jesus say, these bad things are going to happen, naturally he says, we're not going to let that happen. We're your disciples. We're going to stand up for you. And it's interesting because the text says that Jesus looked at his disciples and then took Peter aside. Peter was rebuking Jesus for saying these bad things were going to happen. And instead, Jesus turned it back on Peter. And he rebukes Peter with those famous words, Get behind me, Satan. And why is that? Well, the text tells us that it's because he wasn't thinking of things of God, but instead was thinking of things for himself. But you see, Peter was saying, this is not the way it's supposed to happen. We have expectations in our lives for the way things are supposed to go. And many times in the church, we've even proclaimed the gospel to say, look, if you'll follow Jesus, then your life is going to be better. Let me, let me lay out for you the bribe that says, if you'll just follow Jesus, then you'll receive this blessing and this blessing and this blessing. As opposed to, follow Jesus because he's God. And God deserves to be worshipped. And God deserves to be followed. It's because of who God is that we worship him, not because of what we can get from God. You hear the difference? And so as God calls us, as we're called to follow God in our lives, it's not for what we can get out of it. It's to do that which the Lord calls us to do, whatever that might be. Sometimes the world seems to do things and it's not supposed to be like this. Usually that's because of our expectations. And so perhaps this Lenten season is a time for us to adjust our expectations. To look to God to tell us the way life is supposed to be. And then to not be surprised when it actually turns out that way. And so Jesus, again, tells Peter, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. How do we know the mind of God? How, how do we look at ourselves and recognize those things in us that are Selfish, that is, those things that are for our own good, but not necessarily for the good of God or the good of others. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. 
If we're to be followers of Jesus, then we recognize his example as a servant that gives his life. And as followers of Jesus, we're called to do that same thing. Doesn't sound very appealing sometimes, does it? But do you also recognize that it's kind of always been this way? It is not new that those who seek to follow God and do what he calls them to do have people standing against them. The prophets of the Old Testament are a good example. If you read, and you will, if you're following our Bible reading program through the year, we're going to read through the prophets this year. And what we're going to discover there is there are two primary concerns in all of the major and minor prophets, two. One is faithfulness to the God of Israel, faithfulness to Yahweh, the one true God. Don't veer off into Baal worship or worshiping anything other. Give God his rightful place. And the second is treat people well, especially widows, orphans, and strangers, the the marginalized in society, those in society that it's easy to take advantage of, don't do it. Treat them well. And the prophets, over and over again, challenge those who either drift from God or treat people poorly. Have you noticed that when people are doing something wrong and know it, they don't like to be challenged? I actually found this to be true of both my pets and my children. (laughs) And my grandchildren, too. When our grandchildren were here for Thanksgiving, one of them was doing something inappropriate to their sibling, and I simply said their name. I didn't point out the wrong they were doing. I didn't even tell them to stop it, which would be more like me. I just simply said the name. (laughs) Grandpa yelled at me. She knew she was doing something wrong and she knew that I saw her. And she didn't want to be seen. You know, the same is true with pets. You know when you get home and your dog doesn't greet you at the door? You start looking around. What did they get into? Tail between the legs, right? They know they did something wrong. But it's actually, it's actually way worse than that. You see, as followers of Jesus, just like the prophets, when people are treated poorly, we are called to stand with them. And when people are doing inappropriate things and you stand against them, they don't like it. And often they will respond with violence. They will seek to make you suffer for choosing the other side, for choosing to stand against them as you stand for the person who's being hurt. It has been the story of the lives we live, and it in fact is still true. 
And so what does it mean when Jesus says, whoever would be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me? It doesn't mean that we choose to suffer. It means that we choose to put Jesus first. It means that we recognize that God is God and we are not, and therefore God's will has first place in our lives over and against our own will or comfort, or it's hard to say this, safety. God is first. Let me tell you, folks, this goes against our very DNA. Self-preservation is built into our souls. And some of you, some of you are sitting there going, yep, I agree, Pastor, yep, I'm for you. Until I talk about your kids, and they're going, nope, nope, not for you. Don't put my kids in danger. I can, I can choose danger, but not them. And of course, I'm, I'm saying danger now, but, I, but what I really mean is standing for God. One of the groups of people at my former church that I really learned to love and appreciate were our veterans. They were just an amazing body of of folks in our church at Desert Hope in Tucson. They were just amazing. And one of the reasons they were amazing is because these were people that knew what it meant to, to, to take a higher calling to, to agree to serve putting their lives at risk for a higher calling, to serve the country. And what we're talking about today is the highest calling, the calling to serve our Lord, to use our gifts, our abilities, our lives, our decisions, so that God is honored And so that his love is expressed, especially to those who need to experience it the most. And often that means choosing self-sacrifice. And often that means standing against those who would hurt them. So what does it mean to deny ourselves? How is it that in this Lenten journey we can ask to to draw closer to God, ask to discover the mind of God so that the choices we make are choices to serve God and others rather than to be self-serving. How do we discover that? There's an interesting website uh, online, and it's called I Am Second. And it's actually a fair number of usually famous people who are followers of Jesus that recognize that choosing to follow Christ means to choose to put ourselves second. It's really tough to do. But it's a lot less tough if we can discover the answer to another question. What is God's will? for my life? How is it that God has gifted me? What is it that he's calling me to do? How am I supposed to be living? How am I supposed to be influencing the people that are around me? 
once we discover that calling, once we can discern the will of God for our lives, it's much easier not to say easy to say, Lord, not my will but yours be done. To pray that prayer with the one who gave his life for us, Lord, not my will but yours be done in my life. What you ask, I will do. Or we pray with the father of the child who was told that he should believe fully in Jesus. We pray, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Give me, Lord, the faith that I need so that I can do the things you're calling me to do, so that I can come alongside the people you're calling me to come alongside of, so that I can set aside my judgment for your value. And live out my life in a way that demonstrates your love, your goodness, your mercy for me and for the world. It really is worship. Sometimes you might get the impression that worship is your willingness to come and endure the length of my sermon on a Sunday morning. Uh, we, we often think of this as worship. The, the band, they're going up to lead us in worship. But what I want you to understand is worship means submission to God as God. Worship means to acknowledge that God is God and we are not and that God has the rightful first place. Now, it's not about what we can get out of it. That's God's place. And so we honor that. We worship that by submitting to God. Worship literally means to fall flat on your face before God and say, Lord, it's all yours. Every bit. And I'll tell you something, that's not something you choose to do once and then live out every day. It's something that you choose to do every day, usually many times a day. Sounds hard because it is, but it's also an incredible honor to live our lives for Jesus. It's an incredible honor to be forgiven and restored and then sent as an ambassador for the living God in the world, a world that desperately needs to know that God loves them. The disciples of Jesus when they were hearing these kinds of words, decided to have an argument. And the argument was, Lord, who's going to be the greatest? And two of them decided to ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, do for us what we ask. What a stupid way to start a request. But we do that to our spouses sometimes, don't we? Hey, can I ask you to do something for me? No. Yeah, well, what is it? We want to sit one at your right and one at your left in glory. And Jesus asked this question. He said, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Are you able to walk this road to the cross? Are you able to suffer as I am called to suffer for you? Are you able to do that for others? And you know what they said? Yes, we are. 
And then you know what Jesus said? Yes, and you will. But it is not for me to grant who sits at the right and the left, which has already been predetermined by God. This calling to follow Jesus is not an easy one. It's not one of of pleasure and comfort. It's one of purpose and meaning and value. It's one to be a representative of the one true God to a world that needs to hear it desperately, and it's what we are called to, to put our lives each and every day with all of our resources into God's service as stewards of all the gifts that God has provided us. In our reading in the last couple of weeks, we came across Mark 10. I realize that's hard to read on the screen, but, but listen carefully. This is a little bit scary. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. The promise of God to experience the community of Christ as we follow him. And wouldn't we love to take out a little marker and just scratch out that one word with persecutions. Because when you stand for what is right, someone will stand against you. When you're a witness for Christ and his love in the world, somebody won't like it. And they may call you names and they may sully your reputation and they may find any number of ways to hurt you or hold it against you. But stand for Jesus, we will. And receive blessing upon blessing both in this life and in the world to come along with the persecutions that we gladly bear in his name because we will deny ourselves and follow him. We will tape up our cross to be disciples of Jesus in this world. And so as we journey through these next several weeks, I ask you to ask this of your Lord and Savior. Lord, what would you have me do? And when you pray it, determine in your heart to do whatever he asks to the glory of the risen Lord. Amen.